Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hi, guys. Today, we're speaking with Amy Kandrak, the co-founder and CEO of What Friends Do. After her dear friend was diagnosed with brain cancer, Amy and her family found that there was a lack of resources available to friends and family when they need it most. In this episode, we discuss how Amy founded What Friends Do, what kept her motivated during the tough times, and how she landed her first 500k in venture capital. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Amy. How are you today? I'm well. It's nice to talk with you. So good to talk to you as well. And yeah. you're calling in from close to my uh, hometown. Where do you want to let your listeners, our listeners, know where you are? Sure. I am in Indianapolis, Indiana, in the U.S., and it is. Um, a balmy 13 degrees in the middle of the winter here. Wow. In typical Midwest fashion. Yeah. This episode is actually going to air in the summer. So by the time you listen to it, you will no longer be in a winter wonderland or covered in snow and unable to leave your house. So that's good. Yeah. We've been chatting a little bit before the recording started. And um, I'm starting to see a pattern in our Midwestern guests. What is it? Just so friendly. I know. So it's such a delight. Oh, Really. I, I think Aww. I love people from the Midwest. And now I can say that with authority because yeah. I've spoken to a few of you. And Amy, you're you're one of them. Did you um, think it was just me, Sylvie? <laughs> now I see the pattern. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Oh, well, oh go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, well, Sylvie will be friends forever now. And that's how it is in the Midwest. So Aww. I'm excited. Honored to and flattered to think that, but of course we're friends now. Everybody <laughs> in the Midwest is friendly. Uh, yeah, you have to be because you're gonna like freeze as you say hi to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing we do is that we smile at people naturally when we walk down the street. Well, and I'm telling mm-hmm. you, I've lived in New York and I've lived in Sydney, and every single time I move to a massive city. Um, people will think that I'm crazy because I'll, I have to remind myself not to smile at them for no reason. Oh, I think you should bring the Midwestern energy everywhere you go. It makes people uncomfortable. <laughs> They're like, why are you smiling? Why are you being so friendly? I don't know you. Um, so Amy, did you, did you always grow up in, 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 oh, Indianapolis? Yes. Well, so, well, I did, I did grow up in Indianapolis, um, but then... I went to school in the far off land of Illinois, uh-huh. um, which if you're in the U.S., you'll know that it's right next door and not far <laughs> away. And anyway, what's she the drove a couple hours? Essentially the same place. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> I really drove a few hours. Um, but I, in college, met this guy and fell in love, and he got a job in Hawaii. Wow, and I got a job in Chicago, and we decided we were going to get married, and we moved to Hawaii instead of Chicago. Mm. Um, so I got – I had the opportunity to live in Hawaii for a few years on the island of Kauai, 
which actually might be just as friendly um, as the Midwest, only because they're just aren't that many people so you have to be friendly with everybody <laughs> yeah um, Cowie is like is that like quite a smaller island um that's quite really it, naturally it, beautiful it is it's the uh, garden isle wow. I think they call it well I know they call it the garden isle yeah and it is much smaller and there's really just kind of one road that goes around and when we lived there I mean, I think there are maybe four or five stoplights total uh-huh. <laughs> on the whole island. Yeah. Um, huh. So, but it, it's it's a lovely tropical island in the middle of the Pacific, a little tropical paradise. So it's beautiful, and it's really far out from like the main. Is it, is it far it, from it Honolulu? Yeah, yeah. So it's really yeah. far out from like I, the main city. It is. So I, you know, everything is a flight or a boat ride. Yeah. And I think it was the furthest flight, which was maybe 35 minutes from Honolulu. Yeah. Um, But there was a a law on the island that no building could be taller than a palm tree. Wow. Ah, nice. Yeah. So if you think about that, there were a couple of buildings that were built into the sides of the volcano mountains and they might be about five or six stories high um but nothing very high nothing like Honolulu which yeah I kind of thought it was like Chicago on the Pacific yeah yeah Yeah. okay so that's fair so your husband had the job there what were what was your career at the time yeah what did you do um I had a couple of different opportunities, I guess we'll call them. Um, I was working at a flower shop Mm -hmm. making lays. Mm -hmm. Oh, Um, that's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I graduated college, and what did I do next? I flew to Hawaii Mm -hmm. and started making lays. That's amazing. Amazing. It was so Uh fun. Uh, The the one elective that I had my senior year of college, which was flower arranging, which I everybody made fun of me for I was like I can't believe this is the one this is the first this is the thing <laughs> this is not what I expected <laughs> what did you study um, at college what what was your major my major in college um actually it was sociology and history with a minor in French so she's all over the place <laughs> if, if you're looking if you're looking for the most practical life skill I guess maybe flower arranging is it um <laughs> I don't know. I love this story. It's so good. Okay, so you're oh flower arranging. So my quiet. flower and – and then I was also working for a, a meeting and vacation planner, uh-huh. which in Hawaii, that that's a huge business. Yes. Um, but it was the best job ever because I took people on snorkeling trips and took them um, – you know, made sure that their dinner reservations were happening, um, put on events with huge musicians who would come. And so it was really pretty fun. Um, it, it was a pretty fun career. And then by the end of that, I was also working um, as a technology coordinator at a high school. Um, and helping with all of their computer systems. And my husband was teaching chemistry and physics at the high school. So we were both employed by the school system. And the entire state of Hawaii is one school system. Uh And the teachers went on strike. 
Oh. And when they went on strike, neither of us had work. Oh. Um, and by the time the strike was over, we actually both got a pay cut. Right. <laughs> and wow. living in Hawaii was pretty expensive. Yeah. And so um, we had to make the decision that that it was time to move back to the mainland then. Yeah. Okay. So where did you move back and then what did you do next? So we moved back and ended up in Illinois. Um, And there's lots of funny stories about how and why we were driving across the interstate and we got a phone call on our very first cell phone and someone wanted to interview my husband for a job and he went to the interview and came home and he said well they want me to start teaching tonight at six o'clock so I accepted and he accepted a job and luckily it was in um, the town where we had both gone to college Mm -hmm. and we had a lot of friends still there so we Moved in with some friends for a few weeks, and I started looking for jobs, and he started teaching at a community college. Beautiful. And what um, town is that? So, so that's Champaign-Urbana at the University of Illinois. Okay. And so I got what I really like to consider my first, you know, real adult job, um, <laughs> doing fundraising and de- development for a nonprofit. And that's where I kind of um, found found my first career. Yeah. And was in fundraising and development for nonprofits and then the university as well for quite a few years, doing mm. doing all kinds of, like I said, like the alumni relations, the events, the grant writing, the sponsorships, um, all of the different things that are involved with getting money to make the organization run. And at any point in this time, did you think that this was something that you would want to start yourself one day? Uh, I, I think at the, the whole time, I really just expected that I would continue in fundraising and development um, through some of these bigger organizations and maybe move into more of like an executive director role in a nonprofit. Yeah. Um, but, but didn't think that I would be going out on my own for any reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, was that just not really what I expected? Yeah. yeah. Was it just something that had never crossed your mind or were you like, you know, scared in some way or, or what was it? Well, I think, Yeah, I guess guess it really hadn't occurred to me, and I didn't have any passion or driver for what I wanted to do on my own. Gotcha. You know, I saw all of these other really worthy organizations, and I saw a way that I could help them. Yeah. So why would I go do something else? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Again, just not something that – it it just – hadn't occurred to me that I should go find something else and nothing in life had presented itself in such a way that I felt the need to create something to do on my own. Yeah. Yeah. But then something did present itself. (laughs) But then something did present itself. Mm -hmm. Yes. So a few years later, fast forward a few years, um, ended up with 
two wonderful little babies. Yeah. And a husband who decided he didn't want to be a teacher anymore <laughs> and went to medical school. Mm-hmm. And, and then we had a, my sister's very, very, very best friend since the first day of kindergarten who was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. Wow. And she was 25. Oh, my gosh. And it, it w- was devastating. She yeah. already survived colon cancer when yeah. she was 18. And we were those best friends who were going to the hospital every day mm-hmm. and checking in on the family and making sure that the family had everything that they needed to support Laura as she was going through her treatments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Wow. And- 25. That is mm-hmm. insane. That it's it's just insane. I actually have an uncle who was diagnosed um, last year with brain cancer, mm-hmm. and and the only thing like he's super healthy and fit person, always been really 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 like um, you know focused on his health and things like that, and he just got like vertigo, and he went to the doctor for vertigo, mm. and he had stage four brain cancer. And it was, you know, it's it's crazy how it just can, you know, there's almost no indication. And yeah. then it's like, boom. And you hear of it happening to other people. You never think it's going to happen to you. Right. Or someone, you mm-hmm. know, that's right. dear to you. So what was yeah. it that you were really supporting Laura's family with? You said that you were going to make sure they had everything they needed. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, and, and more than that, the first thing that we were doing was really... Um, relaying information Um, because Laura had friends all over the country. Mm -hmm. She had sisters who had friends all over the country Mm -hmm. and everyone wanted to know what was going on. Yeah. And so we were finding ourselves eventually with an email list of 250 plus people and sending out messages on a regular basis to say, okay, here's the status. Mm-hmm. She had a great day. Well, she didn't have a great day. Or she's having surgery on this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody wanted to know what was happening. And, and as they received information, we received two responses, hands down, from almost everyone. Mm-hmm. And the first one was always of love and compassion. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sh- thank you for sharing this. Please tell Laura I love her. Please tell the family I love them. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about them. I'm all of the things that people say um, and yeah. mean. Yeah. When something is going on. Yeah. But because we're in the Midwest and we're really friendly, and this is what we do, the next response always was let me know what I can do to help right right and credit to my mom because she's the one who really started this um because I had a five-month-old baby and a two-year-old and a husband in medical school Mm -hmm. she (laughs) she was the one who was able to 
start to funnel the energy of all of the people who were saying, call me if I can do anything. Let me know what I can do with you to help. And she was saying, you know what? They have a dog. Can someone be in charge of walking the dog every day? Yeah. Oh, right. And yeah. someone else was saying, oh, nobody's cut, cut her mom's lawn in mm. two months. Can I just do that? Mm-hmm. And the answer yeah. is yes. Yeah. That would be great. And when they were coming home from the hospital, they'd been in the hospital for six weeks and no one had been in the house. Yeah. And my mom was very, very close friends with with Laura's mom. And so all of their girlfriends went in and cleaned the house. Yeah. So that when they went in, they had a clean house to come home to. Right. Yeah. And and what we were finding was that people would find out someone else was doing something and they'd be like, well, I want to do something too. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So we were trying to find other ways for people to become involved. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, and it's like turning that concern into action. And it's, I can mm-hmm. so relate to this because I know that when my uncle, who's, you know, only like seven years older than me, got diagnosed with Ugh. his um, brain cancer, it's like, you know, they had to go fund me up. Mm-hmm. But I, you feel helpless, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like I sent him this long note about how fun it had been growing up with an uncle that was just, you know, not that much older than me. And like, you know, and then I sent money to the GoFundMe and that was all I could do, you know? And yeah. it's just mm-hmm. like, because you you don't want to bug the person too much. You don't want to. So mm-hmm. if they say, oh, thank you so much. And then they don't give you a specific, like, I need this, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know mm-hmm. what to do. So this is so incredible. Well, and I always... You know, I've been doing this for a lot of years now, mm-hmm. and GoFundMe is wonderful, mm-hmm. and funds are always needed. Right. But um, once you get the money, you still have to do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is that, um, okay, so that again, I guess this is a Midwest thing. I'm just going to play <laughs> off of it because you <laughs> mentioned it earlier. <laughs> But but the first thing that people like to think about is, can I bring you dinner? Yeah. Yeah. Can I make you a meal? Can I bring you food? And so money is fantastic, but you still have to eat. Yeah. And yeah. you still have to turn that those dollars into going to the store and getting food and yeah. making something or right. placing yeah. an order and getting it delivered. You know, it. Those are the kinds of things that can be yeah, overwhelming and draining when you're yeah. really fighting for life. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or someone, you're um, caring for someone who's fighting for life, you know. When you're caring for someone who's fighting for life, especially when you have, you know, in your instance, Nat, you're, you're sitting here wanting to be able to do something more. So if you could take your energy into let me let me just call that order in and use my credit card to pay for dinner and have it delivered to your house tonight yeah you know you feel like you're doing a little bit more for them as well and they're feeling supported right and that's really the premise of I feel really lucky that that's the premise for the business that I've been able to create yeah yeah that's amazing and your business is called what friends do and I think that name perfectly encapsulates the actual 
business yeah, the <laughs> and, and, the, yeah. and the mission yeah. but do you want to explain what friends do is all about and how it works yeah sure yeah I mean we've explained the, a lot of it right here but mm-hmm. what what we've done is we've created an online platform for friends and loved ones to organize all of the things that I've mentioned, plus quite a few other things. So we know that um, people want to know what's going on. So we have a blog so that you can keep a running journal Mm -hmm. and blog of updates. Um, That's helpful because one, we've all played that game of telephone. You know how things go by the end. Mm-hmm. Um, if the message can be in one place, it's not going to get translated. Um, and additionally, six months down the road or even six weeks down the road, um, it's nice to be able to go back and see what's been going on mm-hmm. and have a document of all of that. Yeah. So so that's the the biggest feature of our site. But then one of the other features of our site that kind of differentiates us from some of the other options out there is that we have a calendar mm-hmm. so that the person, um, the caregiver, the best friend, the neighbor, the niece, um, whoever that, that point person is can go through and say, you know, they do have a dog who needs to be walked three days a week or every day at three o'clock and they could use meals these couple of days. Additionally, they need a ride to and from their next appointment Mm -hmm. or someone need, they need help with childcare. All of those needs can be posted on the calendar. And then friends have the opportunity to look at the calendar and say, Oh, this is my, in my skill set. I can make dinner, but I'm not Mm going to walk a dog, but let me go in and I'm going to sign up to help with whatever the task is. Yeah. Um, So we have that calendar and then we also have found that people need things when these crises are happening. So we have incorporated an Amazon wish list. So whatever those things are that might be needed, maybe it's gift cards to restaurants. Maybe it is, um, I mean, a year ago, I was going to say it was hand sanitizer <laughs> and lotion, but now everybody needs that. Yeah. Um, so, but, but those things that can be purchased, um, and, and maybe it's fun things, you know, maybe yeah. it's just distractions. So it's games or puzzles or books, um, all those things can be on there. Um, and then we have the funding system. We use the same funding platform that GoFundMe uses so that you can send money as well, because that's also a need. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then we recently integrated live video stream so that um, you don't have to have another account uh, like any other streaming service or video service. Yeah. Uh Um, So can you talk to people on that kind of thing? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And it's what's unique as well is that you have this thing about starting a team or you can find a team is that so mm-hmm. is that if I had like someone who was poorly I could start a team um of all yes. of that person's friends and then that's how yes. everyone is updated and interacts with the platform 
Yes. So we call it a team because our very first group was called Laura's team. Mm -hmm. And we were the team of people who were supporting Laura. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we really look at it as as your support team. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, starting a team or you can go through and find your team because maybe you know that you know of someone who has one. Yeah. And you want to join in in order to find that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's an amazing company. What you're doing, The, the platform is awesome. Can you tell us a story of how you actually started it? Because we've kind of, we've talked about the inspiration. We've kind of skipped ahead to what it is now. But how did you get there? What made you join the dots and think this is something that you could create as an online tool that would help others? Right. Well, so it was as we were supporting Laura. And I remember the night really, really clearly. um, And I've already mentioned, you know, I had two kids under the age of two and a husband in med school, and I was working a full-time fundraising job. And I was exhausted sitting on the couch, and my mom called me late one night. And by late, it was probably like 8.30. I don't know. (laughs) Um, And she said, you know, Amy, what we're doing for Laura, I think we can make a business out of this. I I think we can start something. Uh Uh-huh. And maybe she's like, maybe it can be like Evite or something. Yeah. Um, And that phone call was really the the pivotal moment. And from there, I, I had not considered starting a business. I had not considered going out on my own or doing anything like that. And Mm. all of my free time and all of my spare time went into writing down all of the ideas, trying to figure out how to write a business plan, which I had never done before writing out and all the specifics of how we wanted a website to work. How did we want each page to function? Mm -hmm. Starting to interview developers who could code because I, I took a coding class in eighth grade and I had taken one since that's that more than most. what I was going to be doing right yeah and then how um, are you going to fund this as well like that's that's a lot of money that you need to pay developers and get all this together it's a lot of money right <laughs> so um my mom had some cash that she was willing to put in and we had a really close family friend who was super, super business savvy. And we put that business plan together and we presented it to him and he gave us seed money Wow! to get it started because he believed in us and he believed in our idea mm-hmm. to get it started. And, when, and what? we used that money. Yeah. So, sorry. I was, when was this? No. So this was in 2006, 2007. Oh, wow. So you've been going for quite a long time now then. So we've been going for quite a long time. um, But the first 10 years were um, completely B2C. Mm -hmm. So business to consumer and Mm self-funded. 
we thought we were going to be making money off of uh, advertisements and affiliate income that we received from that Amazon wish list and any gift cards that are purchased off of the site. Yeah. Um, but also realized you have to have a lot of users to make money yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, and like and hundreds meantime, of thousands, millions of users for the volumes to make it. Millions of yeah. users. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Millions of users spending millions of dollars mm. in order to get anything from the, you know, 13%, <laughs> which is an average yeah. that you might receive on affiliate income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then in in that amount of time, my kids were growing up. I was still working a full-time job. My mom was working a full-time job. Um, my husband finished med school. We had to move from Illinois to Indiana. Again, just a couple of hours away. It's not that far. Um, my husband was in residency. So I say that in the sense that like, I was essentially a single mom wow. for a lot of the time yeah um my my mom was working full-time the the reason I mention all that is because while it seems like 10 years is a really long time we weren't able to focus a hundred percent of our time on the business yeah yeah, yeah yeah there are a lot of women that we talk to that actually wait till their kids are a little older or have to by necessity in order mm-hmm. to start businesses mm-hmm. and things like that yeah yeah so, very common but it yeah, it's it's hard to run a business. It's really hard to start a business mm-hmm. and dedicate the time and hours and attention and dollars. Yeah. And positive energy. Where it needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> I also kind of right. like have insight into this too because of the culture of the Midwest. And when you're a mom and you're in the Midwest, mom, mom, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Um it's people expect you to focus 100% of your energy on your kids. You know, it's kind of like this yes. cultural expectation. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, I yes. was always working um, when I was living there with mm-hmm. my first two children. And, you know, they people would be surprised that I worked so much, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was kind of like, you what? Yeah, I've got to go to L.A. and shoot for a week or two because I've got this project with this client. And people would, like, look at me like, wow. Yeah. You know, because it's not a cultural expectation in a lot of the Midwest still that a woman um, works like that. So it's that can be hard to overcome those kinds of judgments, maybe, as well. Um, So much so that the fact that you brought it up, I'm like, oh, wow, she clearly doesn't live in the Midwest anymore because that's a taboo subject. (laughs) We don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't talk about the fact that women are oppressed here. We don't do it. (laughs) That's not something we talk about around here. Um. Oh, yes. It can be hard, and it's really hard to stand out, you know, and to go against the grain there. It is, Um, especially when it's something about – you're raising your kids, right? right? Like, I love my kids more than absolutely anything. Mm-hmm. But I also have a really unique, oppor- not a unique, but a really great opportunity because I also really love my career and yeah. I really love the yeah. business that I've had the opportunity to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the things that always struck me, um, other moms who are stay-at-home moms would say, um, to me often 
um, you know, oh, well, I chose to give up my career for my kids, which I think that's really brave as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's brave it no matter what you do. But then they follow that up with, but I really like being a mom. Mm, and like that was the thing mom. when I was in the Midwest mm-hmm. that felt like a dagger to the chest mm. because my children are honestly the highlight of my life. Like yeah. it is the most incredible experience. But I also have goals and things and responsibilities to support them (laughs) you know and that doesn't Mm -hmm. make me a worse mom and it's really hard you Mm -hmm. know to to tell people that over and over and over again well and you're also I find myself often really struggling or not struggling but um internally struggling with making sure my kids understand how much I love them Mm -hmm. yes always but the importance of Mom also has a job. Yeah. Dad's not yeah. the only one who has a job. Yeah. Women are allowed to be super passionate about their work mm-hmm. um, and super passionate about what they're doing. So so making sure that they see they, mm-hmm. that opportunity exists for both mom and dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're a role model to them then to show them that that is how you want them yeah. to yeah. face the future and their partners and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting how these, there's some places in the world that are so kind of behind in this and then somewhere, like if you told that to women in Sydney, they'd be like, yeah, of course, mm. you know, um, or a lot of women uh-huh. in Sydney, they'd be like, yeah, of course. Like it wouldn't even be a question. The fact that we'd have to have a conversation about it, you know, surprises a lot yeah. of our friends. But um, there's yeah. unique challenges for women all over though. And I, yeah. I think the cost of childcare everywhere in the world, the US is, I think, the most expensive country. Um, Australia, New right. Zealand and the UK are second, third and fourth. Don't know which, which order exactly, but yeah. the cost of childcare is so high and it really affects families and especially women who then shoulder more of the burden of childcare yeah. and and either work part-time, which stops them from being able to have a career opportunity like they would if they were working full-time or in businesses. More often than not, women don't pursue their business. So I think it's really admirable to hear you talk so candidly about the fact that this was a struggle and it's taken 10 years and more yeah. to keep going and you you did keep going. And yeah. I just want to know, what well, was it that kept I... you going? Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's <laughs> what was it that kept me going? Because I was going to go on something else, which I do really want to touch on also. Let's do both. Um, Let's do both. Let's do both. Let's okay. do yours first, and yeah. then we'll do Sylvie's. Yeah. Okay, don't let me forget Sylvie's, because I, I have lots of answers on that. Okay. Uh, but so here's the, here's the one that I want to touch on, though, and that is um, – Okay, so talking about the cost of childcare, talking about the cost of starting a business, mm. can we just talk about the fact that women aren't funded the way men are funded? Yeah. Yes, that is and statistically correct. I was the first woman in the state of Indiana to be the, a CEO to receive venture funding of a half a million dollars or more. Wow. And that was in 2015. Wow. Not that long ago. That was not very long ago. Women are still receiving less than 7% of venture funding. So if we're going to go back to why didn't I even have an idea, it's because 
women weren't, especially in the Midwest, like, why would you have an idea? You're going to get funding for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like such an astronomical hurdle. I mm-hmm. I hope that this is changing. Like, Bumble went public in early February, mm-hmm. and it the stock closed 63% up after, you know, over what they thought it would would be, apparently. Um, Made Whitney Wolf the youngest yeah. female billionaire. 31-year-old 30, yeah. female billionaire. Like, yeah. we we need these stories. Mm. Because, we need a lot of these stories. Yeah, we need a lot of these stories. And they need we need to teach them to our daughters, and we need to talk about them with our friends. And our sons. And our sons. And, and we need to talk, Thank to, you, yes, Sophie. We need to talk about it with our sons. <laughs> yes. And we need to talk to them. And we... We have to talk to our husbands and our brothers mm. and all of the men in our lives about this as well, mm. because Bumble's a wonderful story, but female businesses still aren't being valued at the same level that male businesses are being valued. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're still not getting the funding yeah. until, I mean, we're not, we're not even at 10% of the same amount. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge hurdle. Yeah. It's a huge barrier for anyone to even consider, am I going to have kids or start a business? Because right. you might have to make those decisions right now. And my favorite quote that Sylvie loves to t- she loves, <laughs> I want to speak for you, is investing in women is not a fucking charity. Yes. We're smart. Say, it's a oh, smart business decision. Girl. Thank you. This is why we're really going to be friends. <laughs> and I can't tell you how often, I mean, as recently as this week, I had people say, well, why is, why do you have a business? Why didn't you just set this up as a, as a 501c3, which in the U.S. is a charity? Yeah. And I say, well, because I have a business and we're making a lot of money. Yeah. And and not everything has to be a charity. Um, and when you invest in a female business, you are not only investing in a female business owner, but they're probably solving a problem in society. They're right. probably paying more women who are then using that money downstream mm-hmm. far more than a lot of other areas. So so why does everything have to be a charity if it's a well and why would female it, business? Yeah, why would it be anyway. expected to be a charity? Like what is wrong with you wanting to make money and be successful? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and your right. the business model is already altruistic. So it's like I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't I don't get that question, but Anyway, I, I think there's a lot to be said as well. For you you kind of just touched on it that the more representation we have of women in business leadership roles, CEOs, founding companies, then becoming successful, exiting, being in venture capital, yes. mm. that is how yes. the cycle breaks, and we actually get more women in you know getting investment because they're represented in those boardrooms and those VC firms. And exactly. Well, and then the they product. have money to put into women-owned businesses yeah. as well. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like it it's going in that direction. I think, well, it definitely in Sydney and the startup scene here, there's a lot of support happening for women. And I feel like over the next few years, we just have to keep using our voices the way we are mm. and talking about these things like we do yeah. and calling it out and keep going. 
Australia, I feel, is a little ahead of the U.S., though, as far as gender equality. Like, I really do feel like in the U.S., we're still, <laughs> we're still in the phase, and I say we because I'm American, you know, um, where it's, like, more marketing support of women than it is actually supporting women. Right. And mm-hmm. we're getting there. You know, like, marketing and awareness is great, but, like, show us the money, show us the support, show us, you know, <laughs> yeah. the funding. Right. You know, like, enough talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Anyway, I want to ask my question again because yes. now well, I have more context as well. Yes. So you've got you got <laughs> yes. half a million in venture capital. Wow, that's amazing. But it was 10 years of struggle, hustle. How did you right. keep going? What was it that drove you through that time? So what is it that drove me that time? Well, it was it was the people we were helping. Yeah. It was it was the end users who would I would read their stories who would reach out to me and say, wow, you know, we were able to help my friend and be so supportive because we had your, your software, we had your tool, we had your, we could go to your website and stay up to date. And if we didn't have that, I don't think we would be able to support them the way that we were able to support them. Thank you. Yeah. Um, or, or people who used it and who would say, I had no idea that many people cared about me. Yeah. that That's the one that gets me every single time. Yeah. Where I'm like, of course people care about you. Yeah. Um, but being able to look online and see, we average 111 family units who will sign up on, on a team. Wow. 111 family units to see them responding regularly in a really meaningful way that, it, I mean, it's different than some of your social media followers, right? Like these mm-hmm. are people who are really, truly invested in what's going on and actively participating in providing you support. Yeah. Um, it makes a huge difference. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's what kept me going the whole time. Um, and that's what still keeps me going the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. You're really solving a problem and making a difference for people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and sadly on the human front, but good on the business front, this is, this, these needs are never going away. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, there's not yet been a cure for cancer people to die. And, yeah. and need support around that. People will, on a happy note, people keep having babies. That's good. Um, we all we want to support people through all walks of life. Um, yeah. So we have an opportunity to just, we're not changing things that people have done ever. We're just changing the technology to help support that. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just necessarily end of life care. It could be someone going through a big life change. Huge life change. We just had um, today. I I happen to know um, someone who has been using our website because they just had their second baby, yeah. but um, ended up being in the hospital um, for the last two weeks, which is hard because they all you know they also have a a three year old, um, and during COVID there's been no visitors, yeah. So it's been kind of hard to deal with all of that and manage it, but. The website's been 
kind of their lifeline to sharing information with everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and getting the support that they need to take care of the three-year-old while they're in the hospital getting ready to have their new baby, which yeah. is an exciting time. Wow. Yeah. You know what? I My first son was actually in the hospital for two weeks in the NICU when he was born because he was mm-hmm. a preemie. And just Mm -hmm. thinking about even stuff like that, it's like, you know, I would have everyone texting me all the time at that point, you know, saying not, um, you know, is he okay, whatever, not having to answer those all individually, but have one place where Uh people could send us and they'd they'd like, oh, I wanted to send you flowers or I wanted to like support you or whatever, you know, because you're worried about your baby and then I I see you. Mm -hmm. Um, But just those kinds of things that aren't necessarily life threatening, but are challenging and and worrying as a human be greatly great yeah very cool yeah how do people find out about your business you know that's um right now our marketing has been pretty low um and it has been primarily word of mouth has Mm -hmm. been our biggest thing um if you have 111 people who are um, on a team, they probably know somebody else who needs to know us yeah. or who needs our service. And so that's been one of our biggest ways that we have um, had people find out about us. And then Google searching. Um, but one of the things, so right now we're in the middle of another fundraise mm-hmm. um, to try and really scale because we have found um, an opportunity for some speed to market. Mm-hmm. based on technology changes and needs during COVID. Yeah. Um, and marketing is is one of the things that we're really starting to focus on more than we've ever had the opportunity to focus on before. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Quick, quick hot marketing tip. I think you guys really definitely Please. need a Facebook group uh, for mm-hmm. these families who are going through different things. And this would be a really easy um, Facebook pages, the algorithms of Facebook, uh-huh. don't put a, yeah, it yeah, yeah. into your content into as many people's feeds, but I definitely would do a Facebook group and I would, um, you know, have families be able to connect on there and help each other use the f- platform optimally and, okay. and answer each other's questions about the platform. It'll also save you on your customer success time. <laughs> That's all I could think about when you said that. I was yeah. like... I think I could have saved hours. <laughs> there you go. There you go. My, Open it now. Uh, yeah, send out an email, uh-huh. you know, and so then just say, hey, guys, go. you know, all you need is a couple of nice graphics and avatar, which I'm sure you have, and a cover photo. And then, yeah. And anybody else who's got a business like this. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Facebook groups, how allowing your um, customers to connect are a really great way to keep – top of mind with your customers um well you know i think we probably have it and we just don't utilize it so that is going to the top of the list for this week yes (laughs) because last week again i know my customer success manager uh spent a lot of time yeah hand-holding which we don't which we don't mind doing right but but when you have new project project uh sorry product features right like we have several Uh facebook groups uh this podcast being a big key component of one of them right because it's Mm. a group for female founders but um Uh we you know when you have new product features when you have new product offerings etc etc you know popping information there on how to use them allowing people to talk about it you can get 
um, really great opinions and feedback from mm-hmm. social listening and just being really being there in every way yes. for your customers. It's, it's a great way to do that. Yeah. And if you haven't already, you should definitely join our Facebook group. It's the Female Founders Network. Um, you can find it on Facebook. Everyone listening as well. <laughs> yeah. And Amy. I think I found you on there. Awesome. <laughs> there we I are. Had the opportunity to be your guest today, but I'm going to double check. <laughs> oh, very good. So it's a great up, group. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Before we wrap up, what's the future for What Friends Do? What are your goals for this year? So our goals for this year. So um, what we're finding, we've actually... To, to use the cliche term, we've pivoted from the B2C market to the B2B market. Huh. And hmm. the reason that we have done that is that we f- we have found getting in front of users at the right time is critical. Mm-hmm. And getting in front of users at the right time often means um, through their healthcare provider. Okay. And... Healthcare providers right now are looking for ways to offer additional supports to their patients. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're looking for ways to differentiate because the market is, is saturated and people have the opportunity to go where they want to go. So um, whatever differentiators they have, um, it, it, it's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... So by offering our software to um, healthcare providers, hospital systems, pharmaceutical companies, um, we we can help them provide a support to their patients. Awesome. And we can make a lot more money than we can yeah. <laughs> by just receiving affiliate income, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so... The next six months, our goals are to close another round of venture funding Mm -hmm. to help us scale, Mm -hmm. to market our product, not only to end users, but to those providers to let them know what services we offer that they can provide to their patients. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... Additionally, there's there's always product enhancements that we have to do. Um, VCs don't always love to hear that. But if you're an end consumer product, which we are, we always need to use funding for that. So there are enhancements we want to do to make our product easier for everybody to use. Mm-hmm. Um, because anybody else can get out there, right? So this is the other question that we get from venture all the time. Like, what differentiates you and what? Um, what's prohibiting anyone else from getting out there and copying exactly what you're up to. Yeah. And there, there isn't a ton, right? What we have that's different about us is what I like to think is the compassion and the knowledge about how users want to use our platform. Yeah. And that changes regularly based on how technology changes. Yeah. And in the, all of if 2020 taught us nothing else 2020 taught us how quickly people can adapt to technology and 
can expect technology to solve their problems. Yes. So that is the thing that we're really, ha- we have to focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. To seamlessly solve their, solve their problems with no hiccups. To s- Right. <laughs> and we've always, and we've always been in a space that I have said, like, this is one of the questions that I ask my developers that I don't know how many other tech founders have to ask, but I'm, I'm always asking my developers, have you ever had any major life event? Yeah. And if they say no, I'm probably not going to hire them. Yeah. And the only reason that I say that is because if they've never had a major life event, then they're never going to understand how my user is when they're using the platform. Yes. Mm-hmm. The brain space that they're in, like they're already so stressed out. They could uh-huh. be sad. They could be depressed. They're overwhelmed. Yes. Mm-hmm. If a glitch... Yes happens on their platform and we're done yeah yeah it could like send them over the edge yeah exactly that may- yeah huh crazy and we cannot like we're here to support them we cannot be a burden exactly yeah absolutely wow well amy this was incredible um thank you so much for talking with us your platform is just so needed mm-hmm. and amazing um is there any th- other piece of advice you'd like to give out there before we wrap up your oh. your episode? Gosh, this was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Um, this is this is my piece of advice that I give to um, any anyone female or non non female who wants to start a business, mm-hmm. and this is talk to everyone you encounter about your business idea. Okay. Because you are going to either receive validation for every single thing that you've already heard and thought of, or you're going to receive feedback that you're going to be able to make use to make your product stronger in the long run. So mm-hmm. smart. So smart. So much happens over conversation and listening to others. Absolutely. Right. And so if you get the same feedback from 15 people, it's probably time to take that feedback into consideration. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a different topic. But that's that's my number one piece of advice for any female founder out there. Oh, beautiful. Great well, um, and let everybody know, how can they connect with or use your platform if they're looking for it? So whatfriendsdo.com mm-hmm. is a free platform for anyone all over the world we have a lot of australian users yeah and you can create a team to support someone going through any life event Mm -hmm. additionally they can use the contact us section to get a hold of me i'd love to hear from anybody well great uh keep in touch we've already stalked you on every single platform so (laughs) we'll be keeping in touch with you and connecting and we'll chat soon thank you so much for sharing your story thank you this podcast was brought to you by Invoice2Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere, at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.